name is nobody. I can't tell you my last name. I can't tell you where I live. But I can tell you that this is The X-Files, a show where a handful of weirdos reread every single Animorphs book in order. And I am joined this week by the most wanted criminal this side of the Andalite homeworld. It's Vivian. I, I ate a bunch of uh, leftover outgrown potatoes for breakfast. That counts as breakfast, right? <laughs> 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 and we also have with us the most elegant street on earth. It's Kate. Hi, I ate a breakfast burrito. So, like, more real than that. Yeah. I ate a handful of Sour Patch Kids, so I think who, I'm uh, Who among us can judge what counts as breakfast and what does not count as breakfast? <laughs> hey, 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 Vivian, I've been wondering, what are you wanted for? Uh, I, I guess breakfast crimes now? <laughs> breakfast crimes, okay. <laughs> Horrible, horrible breakfast crimes. <laughs> um. <laughs> now I'm curious what you're uh, wanted for then, too. I'm, mm. I'm not. I'm the most talented yeah. destrine on Earth. Oh, I, 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 I'm not was, a criminal. Okay, I was totally forgetting the intro. <laughs> yeah. That <laughs> so was just me. Only me uh, compared to... No, it's always just been me who's been the one, most wanted criminal all the time. It's yeah. true. <laughs> Somehow it keeps happening every time we move to a new reality. Despite yeah. the episode when we talked about crimes on those weirdos, when nobody definitely Don't tell had... people about my crimes. <laughs> I wasn't going to specify, but you did admit to way more severe than I, you know, like eating leftover potatoes for breakfast. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, yeah, that's fair. <sighs> new book. Yeah. New, new book. book. It's new only book. the second time we can ever say that. <laughs> feels, feels good. Feels. I don't. I, I wonder if it'll keep feeling good when we get to a new book every time. Um, I feel like we're. I imagine there's going to be a new book lull somewhere around like thirty, thirty-five. We'll just get real sick of new book. Probably. New book. Yeah. Well. I mean, then we are... we'll get to a chronicles, and it'll take forever, and then we'll finish the chronicles, and it'll be like new book. Yeah, exactly. I mean, <laughs> like, we, we might be like reading these a little bit slower than like a kid would, because like we're only reading like six to nine chapters each week, so it takes us like three or four weeks to finish a book. But we are reading them at a faster pace than you would have if you were reading them when they were releasing, because you know they were released yeah. like every was it was it like every three to four months or every six months? I forget. Well, uh, I believe it was every four, because there were usually three a year. Okay, yeah, yeah. So, like, we're still reading them at a faster pace than, like, people, wa like, re I almost said watching, reading the series at the time. So it's like, it might get more uh, dull? I don't know. <laughs> In terms of, like, being like, oh boy, new book, here we go again. What, these idiots gonna, what dumb shit like... are these idiots going to do again in the first few paragraphs? <laughs> well, see, these the first three books were released very quickly in sequence. We're talking like June, July, August. But I don't yeah. think that continues for the rest of the series. Yeah, so. no, I think yeah. I think when I I think when we were looking at it like earlier, just to see how long it took, and uh, I think it was also related to like how many of them Gay Applegate actually wrote herself rather than ghostwriting. I think it was that it was like around like two and a half to three months on average, sometimes four. Yeah. Well, a kid wouldn't be doing the kind of highbrow analysis that we're doing. Yeah, for so, sure. Well, you know, I think that makes a little there's more a slight, interesting. There's a slight difference of us having lived for like three times as long as a child. <laughs> yes, and also... When I was 13, I would read 12 or 15 of these books every day, so... <laughs> <laughs> That's so many books. That book. is... That is insane. Like, That's what is so your... many books. I've always been, been, I've always kind of wondered this patch. What is like, how fast do you read? I think you read a lot faster than I do. 
I guess I don't really have a way of timing how fast I read, but generally, I these days I'm reading about two novels a week plus fifteen-ish issues of comic books plus. Yeah, see, I can I can barely handle like a novel a month, but I'm very busy right now in my life, so. At, and the worst you know. is like the first time I've really been able to stick with reading something for more than like a few days ever since the the pandemic began. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it's like because it's like, well, A, it's because, you know, it's not a job, I would say, mm-hmm. but it's like, <laughs> it's a responsibility to read. Yeah, you shackled yourself yeah. to it. Yeah. By my it's, own, it's by my a, own it, fucking suggestion, this was my fault. <laughs> it's not a job. But it is an obligation. Yeah. That's a nice little like sweet spot where I'm not nervous about it, but it is something that I have to do. It's like yeah. it's like I'm in a BDSM relationship with animals. <laughs> I have willingly bound myself to these books. And they provide something that I have to do and something that I have to connect with. I had suggested an episode title earlier, but I think BDSM relationship with Animorphs <laughs> might be suggestive, but at the same time... Listen. We haven't even started summarizing the chapters no, yet. No. That can't be the episode title. But Maybe. I don't know. Unless... We don't need better, but... We'll see. I don't know, I just, like, our main show has episodes titled Boobs Talk. BDSM relationship with Animorphs isn't that raunchy. Um, (laughs) No, I just mean, like, I I would think it would have something more organic to do with the actual story that we're going to be covering. Oh, you would think that, but that's weirdos that usually, uh, sometimes it is. Honestly, just whatever the most interesting phrase is. Yeah, usually like listen to your main usually it's the thing. Usually it's whatever makes us laugh the most. Because like in those cases, it was like that was me talking about like when I found out I was gonna have my breast augmentation surgery just two weeks after the consultation because she just happened to have Mm -hmm. an opening show up right as soon as that like mere minutes before my consultation, and then sure enough, the episode we did after I had that was boobs talk to electric boobaloo because that's (laughs) that's like that's like such a oh oh yes but also oh shit kind of moment <laughs> like yeah i get i get a really early appointment but also i have to fucking deal with surgery in two weeks holy shit that, yeah that seems like yeah it was a mix that of was emotions for that you. was a yeah. that was a wild time yeah <laughs> yeah being like oh yeah this will probably get done in like a few months and then calling my mom from the doctor's office being like so they can get me in in two weeks holy fuck (laughs) (laughs) i went on uh quite the journey for bottom surgery that's not really the 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 the, the place to talk about this right now we have a book it's true to talk about this week we are starting the encounter animorphs book three written by k.a applegate and michael grant her husband's helping with this one um yeah, this is a Tobias book, so we'll go ahead and start with chapter one, which I will call Bird Crimes. Um, <laughs> we yep. get the standard, you know, intro, I can't tell you my last name thing. We always have to do that up front, but very quickly we transition into, this is what I used to look like, but now I'm a bird. Um, <laughs> and yeah, he's, he's just flying around. Uh, at first it seems like he's kind of chilling. We opened with a flying scene in book two as well, so I get the feeling they really just enjoy those, but... He is basically spying on a used car lot and just kind of dive bombs it because essentially this this car guy, Dylan Dan Hawk, which is, I don't have any weird clownish 
used car people like this in my hometown. I don't know if either of y'all do, but... <laughs> um, yeah, they... It's mostly furniture people, actually. But, huh. yeah, there's... There's a few in, like... I'm sorry, I can't tell you where I live. Uh, the <laughs> yeah, area that's I the live rule. in... Uh, <laughs> The rule that uh, nobody and I ourselves have broken many times I, on the road show. <laughs> I mentioned an aquarium in the previous episode. I think people will figure that out. I don't, uh, think. <laughs> I don't think that's enough to necessarily go on. I, I mean, it, it we already the, the said Texas in this episode, so... And the aquarium has the name of the metropolitan area in it, so... <laughs> Yeah, we are just about as good as keeping our locations as secret as these kids are. Don't worry hey, about it. Hey, we, hey, we haven't at least said what fucking street we live on. I might have said I live in Hartford, but I ain't saying where in Hartford. <laughs> I, I also remember, like, commercials for his very specific car dealerships. Not used car places, but car dealerships that have, like, very uh, noticeable and memorable jingles that get stuck in your head for 30 years. Um, Huffines has it, that kind of thing. Oh, yeah. um, uh, and so I remember those. I feel like there's probably like clownish used car salesmen like this <laughs> in places. Oh, for I, sure. um, I just I feel like I... it was a lot more of a like a eighties nineties thing. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think yeah. I've ever really seen any like advertisements of this sort like in real life. Like, but also to be fair, I have not had cable in like over a decade, so maybe that's just why. <laughs> It was weird because yeah. like used car lots like this still exist. Oh I mean, yeah, that's where I bought, yeah. bought my bought my car when I lived in Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. um, but and I can tell you about that because I don't live there right now. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like this was just like very much a like '90s ass thing because it's like I feel like these days if you were like you know looking for this kind of stuff you'd be more looking on a computer rather than TV, being like I hope there's a channel for a used car deal here on the TV. <laughs> Oh, it's yeah. definitely still a thing. John Oliver did a segment about it a couple years yeah. ago, but like, it's God, just I'm, not nearly I'm, as common. Oh yeah, he did the commercial for them. I'm just yeah. imagining how faster it would have been for the toys in Andy's room to find uh, where uh, fucking Al's Toy Barn was if they had the internet back in the 90s rather than having to flip through all the channels. <laughs> but, yeah, either way, uh, this Dan Hawk guy... Apparently, he uses a red-tailed hawk for his commercials, and I don't mean like he has a trained hawk who's a mascot or whatever. He literally just has a hawk in a cage who sits next to him in the commercials. This seems like a bad commercial, IMO, but I'm not Dan Hawk. Uh, <laughs> it would be so much more interesting if you actually like trained the hawk and learned falconry. You know? Yeah, yeah like if it was like if it was like perched on his shoulder and there there was like like a shitty like Photoshop part sequence of it like flying past like price tags that got changed to be lower or something like oh the hawk is lowering <laughs> prices or something that would rule yeah that but would be instead, a better commercial instead it's just the hawk in a cage <laughs> also i think there might be some kind of uh animal rights issues here with just keeping a hawk in a tiny yeah. cage like this yeah yeah you don't but keep birds in small cages regardless it's they definitely need, they need something the aspca yeah, yeah for sure yeah. yeah, for the size of, for the size of like the average like pet bird, like they need like, massive fucking cages. <laughs> yeah. So he has named this hawk Price Cut Polly, and they're about to they are going to shoot a live commercial. And I don't know if that's a real thing. I've never heard of shooting a commercial <laughs> live before, but whatever. Yeah. <laughs> that's weird. Um, also, Polly is a name for a parrot. Yeah, I was yeah. gonna say that ain't a hawk name. <laughs> Like, not, if you're gonna to... call it Price... I, I understand your name is Hawk, but... 
Yeah, you gotta at least try. Yeah. Maybe name the hawk Dan Hawk, but with no E at the end. That would be fun. <laughs> Danielle Hawk, there you go. I don't know, yeah. you're already assuming this is a girl bird. Apparently Tobias can tell, so... Yep. Tobias uh, definitely has some weird bird experiences in this book, to be fair. <laughs> um, yeah, it doesn't tell us how he can tell. No, no sure we, does. Well, we know. Tobias, you ain't telling us, but we know. I kind of also, like, we have no idea how he knows that this is happening, because this is, he's pre-planned this, whatever is about to happen. So, presumably he's seen Dan Hawk and his Polly on TV before, but, like, how did he know this was, was he just sitting in the parking lot waiting until he saw someone with a schedule walk past? <laughs> but we'll find out later that he's apparently been hang hang staying in Jake's uh, attic at night, so it's like... Yeah. He might just be like sneaking in and watching TV for like an open window at times and just happen to see and he's like, I have a new golden knife. <laughs> fuck fuck <laughs> these alien brain slugs, I gotta fuck over this guy. I I do wanna point out uh that just just before we move on, that our first instance of the word thermal is it's like um, three five paragraphs into this yeah, book. Yeah. It's so early. <laughs> so we're going to get that a lot. We're not yep. going to say every time they say thermal, but just understand, they're saying it quite a bit. Ah. Uh. <laughs> yeah, so Tobias sees Dan open the cage to feed the hawk before they start shooting the commercial. So he gets the combination, and then he just dive bombs the cage once Dan turns away. So, yeah, he, uh, he basically uses his hawk claws to start clicking the, the combination lock, which... Frankly, it's a little weird that you use a combination lock on your animal's cage, but whatever, I guess. And um, Yeah, usually those kind of cages have, like, a locking mechanism that's just like, oh, you push it, like, some part of it in so that it hooks in, then the animal can't force it open. It's usually yeah. not, somebody, like, an padlock. Yeah, so, so somebody yells that uh, maybe he's got rabies, and <laughs> um, that's not... Listen, birds can't get that. That's mammals. Yeah. Mammals can get that. Look, there's, there's been inconsistencies about what animals can and can't do in this series already, and we're only getting <laughs> So No, it's, it's, it's just that that guy's an idiot. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, I mean yeah. hey, to be fair, I didn't know birds can get rabies until uh, literally 20 seconds ago. So, yeah, birds, there you only, go. Mammals, only mammals can get rabies. And, okay. uh, except, you know, possums, possums can't. Their body temperature's too low. Yeah. <laughs> The more yeah, you know. I mean, it's like, as far as the commercial goes, it starts live playing, I I wanted to say streaming, but live playing <laughs> the instant Tobias lands on this cage. So, like, the, the commercial starts, the first thing you see is a hawk trying to open a cage where another hawk is. So this feels like animal rights commercials. And then a mechanic swings a wrench and tries to murder the first hawk. <laughs> live on TV. Yep. <laughs> But uh, as this is happening and these these mechanics are attempting animal murder, uh, Tobias calls for help and Rachel shows up as an elephant and she's just running around this used car lot stomping convertibles. Um. Yeah, definitely not at all suspicious just in general of how the fuck is an elephant out and about. Yeah. <laughs> you might want to be calling up every local zoo and being like, yo, what the fuck? Why is there an elephant here in a place where an elephant Why is there an elephant at not all? supposed to be? <laughs> like, this should either be in the zoo or in Africa. What the fuck? Yeah. 
Uh, I mean, circuses still used elephants back in this time. Yeah. <laughs> Ele- elephants are one of those things that some things aren't that surprising if they're out of place. <laughs> some things are. Elephants are one of those things that are. Yeah, we had a whole conversation about that in the first book when the Yorks were surprised that there was an elephant there. <laughs> yep. <laughs> well, yeah, uh, while everyone is distracted by the elephant stomping cars, Tobias manages to get the cage open and Polly is able to get out of the cage and fly away. Tobias has this really weird urge to like follow her, to you know stay with her. But uh, yeah, I guess she's not too mistreated because she does know how to fly and she's not got her wings clipped or anything. So there's that at least. But yeah, uh, she takes off and Rachel basically has a great time breaking everything. Um, And we'll go to chapter two, which honestly, I don't have a good name for it because it's basically just Tobias saying I'm a bird now. So we're going to say I'm a bird now is the title. (laughs) Um. Uh, no, it's uh, uh, it's I'm a bird now. I'm a kid now. It's it doesn't work as well as you're a squid now. Or yeah, anything, it sure but it's Close enough. Because like nothing. I mean, kid and squid just rhyme. But bird and boy. I don't know. It, it's just yeah, better that's... than bird and kid, I guess. <laughs> yeah. So they uh, they take off and flee from the car dealership. Ella, Rachel is just an elephant fleeing into the woods. <laughs> And, um, yeah, nobody yeah. immediately knows where she is as soon as she stops to unmorph somehow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, to be fair, it does say that she's only 10 feet tall, so she's not a huge elephant, because elephants can get bigger than that. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, blah, blah, blah. Uh, she's upset because he was, like, <laughs> he waited until the commercial started broadcasting. And more accurately, because he didn't wait until they finished. So everyone on TV saw that. And, you know, any controllers who happen to be watching TV will go, Hey, that's weird. Why is there an elephant here? <laughs> but we've already learned in the past. They don't watch TV. They stare, bl- they stare blankly at the TV screen while it's, while it's <laughs> uh, off. True, well, yeah. that's true. What... <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. while they're in the York pool, if you remember, the, the humans and Horpagier, who are voluntary hosts, get to watch TV while the Yorks are in the pool. So... <laughs> <laughs> that's um, fair they could they could see it then yeah special sure. priv- it's a special privilege for voluntary hosts all the all the yurks that are like you know forcing themselves among people they don't get to watch tv for some reason thank you for playing long human you get to watch your stories every three days <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> but only every three days it's like but but game of thrones is on tonight sorry <laughs> i feel like there are probably some Yurks who, as a guilty pleasure, do watch TV. Can we go to the it's pool just tonight? A... My show is on, and so, I, mean, yeah, I know it's early, but... <laughs> just, just the internal dialogue between the Yurk and the host being like, Look, I know we just were there yesterday, but, but fucking Fear Factor's on tonight. <laughs> I don't know, I'm trying to think of stuff in the 90s people would watch. <laughs> it's like... Okay... I I do want to know who wins on Survivor, so um, I will oh, allow this. God, isn't isn't the guy who hosted Fear Factor also like an outright asshole? Um, I don't know. Most I mean, people. I, I feel like a lot. I feel like yeah. I feel like a lot assholes. of. I feel like yeah. a lot of those guys running like the gross shows of like the late nineties, early two thousands were assholes. Much like uh, fucking the Dirty Jobs guy. 
Well, the thing you have to realize, Vivian, is that the host of Fear Factor is Joe Rogan. So. Yeah, yeah. I was like, oh I was wow, like, yeah, definitely. I was, I was like, is that Joe Rogan? I was like, being like, is it? No, it's not Steph Rogan. No. So I was like, okay, yeah, that tracks. Uh huh. Yeah. But yeah. Um. <laughs> So Rachel talks a little bit about how they're going to get in trouble, and then she finishes demorphing, and Tobias has a note here about how she's barefoot because no one had figured out how to morph shoes yet, which really just gives me the thought that if this were the uh, late 2000s, they would absolutely be wearing those horrible toe shoes. Oh, um, God, yeah. <laughs> those, those would definitely be uh, morphing outfit compatible. Oh, yeah, the, the mm-hmm. worst shoes ever. Like... <laughs> Not functionally, just aesthetically. I hate yeah. them so much. Exactly. Oh, yeah. they're, they're, it's so gross. I think I think the thing that just makes it gross is the fact that it has like the splits for the toes. Like mm-hmm. if it was if it was essentially just a sock, I think that's fine because that's you know <laughs> that's more or less what shoes are. They're just more solid than cloth. But it's like I think the fact that it actually has contortions for your toes is like yep nope that fuck that get rid of that. It's awful. Yep. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so they uh, they take off. Um, Rachel's complaining because she's barefoot in the woods, and it's a disaster. Um, and then Tobias summarizes the whole Andalite thing again. I'm just going to skip over that because y'all already know that. Um, Rachel does go home on the bus. I guess the bus does not ask questions about why she's in a leotard and no shoes in the middle of the day. But... <laughs> Yeah, um, he starts soaring. He's just flying around. Uh, he catches another thermal, ding. And then he talks about thermals and what they are, ding. And then he no, catches another thermal, no, ding. We, we, and we, we, can't, we can't do the cinema sins, ding, every time the thermal gets brought up. I'm just going to say cinema. it because there's no way I can remember every single like. Yeah, okay, fair, but still. L- listen, listen. Cinema sins does not have monopoly on the noise that a bell makes. I'm sorry. Yes. Anyone can can do the ding you can't copyright the, the, a ding noise it's okay true. <laughs> yeah uh, right as he's flying around he's heading towards rachel's house but then something moves over him and he doesn't like he has no idea what it is it, it's just big and weird and he can can't kind of can and can't see through it at the same time it's super weird and now i'm realizing that i should have called this chapter yajuda camouflage spaceship um yeah, the uh, the thing just heads off it's toward, going towards the mountains, and Tobias does try to follow it, but because it is a spaceship and he is a bird, he absolutely cannot Spoilers! keep up with it. We, it's not a spaceship, we don't know that. <laughs> <laughs> Even though we're going to totally know, find it out in, like, chapter 4. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah, so they all... He comes back and heads to Rachel's house, because that's where they're meeting up, and has a little bit of an in-joke with Rachel because they, I guess, have gotten so used to Marco over the course of two books already that they can predict that he's going to be mad at them. What a surprise. (laughs) Um, And then, of course, chapter three, uh, Marco is mad at them. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it it honestly, like, hey, the guy who is obviously going to get angry at the stuff that we did is going to get angry. That that was a hell of a prediction mm-hmm. on their part. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what they did was stupid and reckless. I mean, in this case, oh, for I think sure. Marco, Marco certainly does have a point. Releasing the hawk was a good idea. 
maybe they could have gone about that in a way that didn't involve stomping a bunch of cars as an elephant. On TV. There were probably other options here. Yeah. On TV, yes. Like, on TV. I mean, one of them can turn into an eagle. They could have just swooped down, grabbed the cage, and brought it elsewhere. <laughs> like, just be like, I oh, think... I guess, I, oh, weird, this eagle saw an easy meal, I guess, in the form of this bird hanging out and unable to move. Wow, oh, weird. Oh, well. <laughs> I don't think an eagle could lift an entire bird cage. Yeah. Well, I, uh, well, I mean... I'm forgetting what morph Rachel was in. Was she the eagle in the previous? Yeah, movie? she was she's the bald a, eagle. She she's said, like, eagle. she she describes it being a bit of a hard time carrying a gun, but also like carrying a rifle. But like a rifle is heavier than a birdcage, I think, right? No, it, um, I don't think so. I feel like a rifle is heavier than an empty birdcage, but a birdcage with a hawk in it is probably competitive. <laughs> it depends on what the cage is made of. Uh, okay, uh, yeah. And how big it is. I just googled, most, like, full-size bolt-action hunting rifles weigh more or less 8 pounds. How heavy is a birdcage? <laughs> uh, I don't, like, it, it's also a matter of, like, how big the hawk is, how big yeah. the cage is. I... Okay, birdcage is a per like, that, that size birdcage is roughly around the same, so you're also adding in a bird, so maybe, yeah, maybe she wouldn't be able to carry it. Yeah, um... It's also a matter of, like... Also, even even doing that on TV would be weird. Yeah, but less weird than an elephant showing up to stomp cars as a bird moves a <laughs> dial certainly, on a fucking locker. Certainly, uh, I so. mean, certainly weirder what they did. It would still be weird for a hawk for an eagle yeah. to swoop down and carry off a birdcage. But, um, yeah. you know. Like they could have At just, the very like... least, the argument could be made that the eagle was trying to eat the hawk. But... Yeah, exactly. Or, you know, they could just wait until nightfall because one of them can be a lizard, sneak in, unmorph, open the cage, let the bird out, morph back into lizard, and leave. Or yeah, just not do it be... on live TV. Either way. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's like, oh, you think anyone's going to believe the stupid fucking car dealership guy where he's like, you're never going to believe this shit. A bird showed up, and then an elephant, and they, free and they stole my bird. <laughs> like yeah sure guy <laughs> well your cars are flattened clearly so. he did that himself to try to get it as like a write-off like <laughs> trying to claim thing? for the insurance on these cars yeah active <laughs> elephant is that yeah would, would insurance cover that i don't think it would Honestly. Well, yeah, I feel like they would get out of that with the Act of God clause, because even though it was on TV, an elephant showing up out of nowhere is still pretty. It's not predicted. It's, yeah, it's, you know, you don't, like, look at the insurance and it's, like, you know, covers water damage, hail damage, elephant. <laughs> you know, I don't think it says, I don't think it says one of those things in there, usually. <laughs> so, Marco... It's like... It's like, I, 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 sometimes I wonder while watching superhero movies, and this is, like, how being an adult has ruined me. How do insurance companies cover collateral damage from superhero fights? Uh, I, I feel well, like that's a conversation that has to happen. That's a bunch of lawsuits after uh, the first Avengers movie probably happened yeah. in terms of the MCU, and then it's like, all right. Oh, I guess it was way earlier I, than that. Was it? Because it's like, by that point, it's like, you know, it was like isolated incidents of like, oh yeah, there was like a weird thing in New Mexico, I think it's where Thor took place and stuff like that. And like, you know, Tony Stark being himself, he's like, Tony Stark would be like, yeah, I get it, I get it, whatever, fuck it. God, goddamn <laughs> superheroes know. driving up but I think, I think, I think alien, City. I think alien invasion in New York City definitely brings up, alright, there needs to be some legislation about this shit. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, te technically, technically, it is an act of 
a god, god. specifically uh, loki uh, so but, but you know in that movie loki intentionally says they're actually not gods <laughs> people just think they are yeah but then later they yeah, have later they on are. they are it's weird don't worry like, about it the, the mcu retcons all this shit all the time really really god god is just a word yeah. so you can just kind of give that to whatever you want to and at any rate iron man dragged ironmonger three miles down the 118 highway in the middle of the city while people were going on it so yes the the insurance thing happens very early he has money (laughs) he he covered some of that i think (laughs) especially when he was like yeah that was me sorry (laughs) right yes um let's see yes um Marco yells at him for a while. Uh, he's upset because they're not supposed to be saving animals. They're supposed to be saving humanity. And Tobias gets a little jab in because Marco doesn't want to save humanity. He doesn't want to do this. But Marco says that, yeah, he doesn't want to. But if they're going to, then at least they don't have to be idiots about it. So what's with this, huh? Uh, <laughs> Which is a fair point because they've kind of been nothing but idiots about it so far. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a, a little moment here where Tobias is describing Marco, and it is, this is the same kind of weirdness that we had with Jake calling Rachel attractive back in the first book, because yeah, it's yeah. Tobias describing Marco in such a way that we, the readers, might see him as attractive, but Tobias doesn't, so, like... <laughs> I mean, he's the, got bi in his name, you don't know, maybe Tobias is bi. <laughs> Well, I mean, maybe. The the sentence is, I'm going to read this, he's short, or at least he's not very tall. I guess girls think he's cute because he has his long brown hair and dark eyes. (laughs) So, yeah. um, Listen, listen, this was written in the 90s. We're never going to get any sort of indication, intentional indication of these characters. Oh, absolutely. Uh, It's very much the, like same issue that bad wizard boy has in that only the male characters matter and we only see harry's perspective so it always seems like harry is crushing on dudes yeah Um, yeah yeah. i mean yeah that's what happens when uh you know oh god i don't even remember what age the shitty author was at the time she was like in her 40s i think but it's like yeah it turns out when she's writing that from a boy perspective she's like well the boy has to find people attractive i guess right it's like well, well we can... it would help if you ever had a female character that made any fucking importance in the series besides oh she's the smart one we can do what queer people have been doing for generations and read into things too deeply because we're starving <laughs> for representation well sure that's, and that's oh, fine. We've, we've, yeah, yeah exactly. we, no no we've never done that on any of our podcasts <laughs> uh no i don't think we have the, the stuff we watch is usually textually queer <laughs> yeah this this is not but it definitely we can definitely read it that way and we're going to and you can't stop us so yeah for sure um yeah uh after this there's just some good natured ribbing going around and it actually is good natured ribbing this time it's not jake trying to punch marco um we got a description of jake as big not football player big but solid so i'm curious about that uh i think it's meant to indicate that he's tall because he is a basketball player but again we're just not gonna get anything um at any rate, Cassie has to leave because she has to uh, feed the horses and clean the bird cages. And Marco says something about Tobias talking Rachel into stomping Cassie's house flat if she has cages. Uh, <laughs> and then, of course, we get the background on Cassie because we're still in the recaps. Um, 
And yeah, uh, this is where we get the reveal that Tobias lives in Jake's attic. Jake is putting food for him in the attic, and like, usually... At this point, I would think Jake knows, but he makes a point of asking if Tobias can open a Rubbermaid, and Tobias says yes, but it has been about a month since Tobias became a bird, so... Yeah, I wasn't like... <laughs> too sure about the time frame here, because like, compared to like last book where they say it's been a week since the York Gold, they don't really come out and say like how long between books two and three this has been. Uh, at this point, we're looking at a little more than three weeks. It's not a full month, but... Okay, been... yeah. Yeah, he's been a bird for a while now, so if Jake's been feeding him, you would think that he would have asked that question earlier. <laughs> yeah, but, maybe. And Yeah, um, so as long as Jake is careful and doesn't let Tom realize that he's leaving food in the attic, <laughs> or his parents, presumably, they, I assume, would not be happy about that. Jake just uh, being all I... like, oh, fuck, I've only ever given Tobias food in a Tupperware before, but the pizza is in a uh, fucking Rubbermaid. Uh, <laughs> shit, fuck. I... I do want to point out something here in chapter three. Um, when when Tobias is describing Jake, he says that Jake is a natural leader. And we know that Tobias was the one who basically selected Jake as the leader here. So obviously this is a big that Tobias believes. We get a little bit of justification here when he when, when it says, If we were ever trapped if you were ever trapped in a burning building, you would turn to Jake and ask, What do we do? And he would have an answer too. I want to point out that his answer may very we very well be to charge the fire with a pipe. Yep. Because that's what he decided to do with the Hortonshire. We have not seen him be like that kind of leader hey, yet. Hey, that, I, that's I feel we that's will, still but... technically a plan. <laughs> it's not a good it's one, kind of, but it's technically a plan. <laughs> it's just kind of weird. Like Jake hasn't really shown much leadership at this point. I feel like this is a case of tell don't show. Yeah, very, like, at this point, the only thing separating Jake from being Team Himbo is that we haven't seen him be kind of hard, so <laughs> I just don't feel like that's leader material. Yeah, I feel like we'll see that later, because I certainly do remember Jake doing, like, leader stuff later. Oh, yeah, he absolutely uh, does do leader stuff, just not yet. Yeah, it's, he hasn't yet, and I don't know why we're getting this from Tobias. <laughs> It's a little like in the Boy Scouts when you get elected to be the patrol leader or the senior patrol leader or whatever, and then you just have to deal with this job and it gives you this imposed sense of leadership, even though you don't know what you're doing. He has to learn as he goes. I feel like it's process of elimination. Like, Tobias can't be leader because Tobias isn't really the leader type. He doesn't want to be leader. He's also a bird. Um, Rachel can't be leader because she's too reckless. Cassie can't be leader because she's not really she wouldn't be able to make hard like the really hard decisions, or she'd have a lot of trouble doing it. And Marco can't be leader because he doesn't want to be doing any of this shit. So it has to be yeah, Jake. like Jake being like shit. I guess it's me by default, right? Yeah, it's it's, it's very like early order stick energy of Roy being like, well, I guess nobody else can take watch because Haley might steal from us. Ellen's an idiot. Belkar's a jackass. Versuvius is not going to pay attention? Oh, great. <laughs> Guess it's me, no sleep. <laughs> like, I get what you're saying, but to some level, I think in this book at least, Tobias is a far better leader than Jake is. Oh, yeah. Outside of this yeah. elephant stomping thing, having read this whole book yesterday as I was doing my notes, um, like... <laughs> Tobias does a lot of leadering here. I guess that's minor spoilers, he, but... He was the first to test out the morphing powers. Well, if, if, there, if there's one thing that Jake is good at in this book, honestly, it's 
Um, and I haven't really, I haven't read the entire thing. I've read the entire thing a long time ago, but um, it's like delegating where necessary. That is he, true. Like, sort of leads voting. He sort of leads the group to decide on whatever course of action they want to take. But he's like the mediation. He's like the mediator there. You know what um, I would say? I think. As of this book, at least, Jake is very good at organizational leadership, and Tobias mm-hmm. is better in the field. So, to, to buy, Tobias is driving their action forward. Jake is directing it. Yeah. <laughs> or at least acting as a medium through which the group can collectively direct it. Yeah, call it like a, a ship captain thing, where the captain is only yeah. in charge until the fight starts, and then the bosun takes over. That's. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, are you telling me that Skies of Arcadia ain't accurate because Vice always takes the wheel every time that fights happen in Skies of Arcadia on the ship? <laughs> yeah, captains don't lead the fights. Uh, it's not their well, job. I mean, he's not technically the captain of the little Jack, like, at the, as the first ship. He does technically, I guess, yeah. the captain of the Delphinus, but at the same time, they steal the Delphinus, and meanwhile, the actual Delphinus' owner is there being like, yeah, go ahead. So <laughs> Tobias... We're in middle ground. Uh, he's technically also... not the captain of either. <laughs> Tobias is also, like kind of the intel person because he spends so yeah, much time just bird. flying around yeah, yeah um so he's that got the, he's got that alone, advantage on wisdom checks in order to see that stuff. alone like provides him with like oh there's this thing that we need to deal with so <laughs> by default he kind of like brings in a little bit of that leader energy because he's the one who's informing people about something they need to take action on yeah for sure yeah, he's he's the he's the party member with the highest wisdom. <laughs> yeah, and he also he's the party member that is flying around as a bird all the time. So mm-hmm. has yeah, the yeah it turns to out when you don't have to spend like all this. your day at school and doing homework, you kind of have a little bit more time to actually look around yeah. and check stuff out. Yeah, it's <laughs> not even shit. about having a wisdom score; it's just about law of large numbers. Uh, yeah either way uh he and rachel have a brief conversation about how she doesn't like the idea of him living in an attic by himself but he says that he's okay and doesn't tell anyone about the thing that he saw in the sky because it would just worry them and then he just takes off to fly around a little bit before he crashes in the attic and he there's kind of a potent thing here i think because the end of this chapter is him talking about he hates the way that they feel sorry for him because they can only see that he's not what he used to be and that he doesn't have a home anymore. But to him, it's a great thing because he is who he is now and he has the sky and it's like, yeah. <laughs> His boy's trans. Um. Yeah, yeah, more trans allegory for Tobias, huh? <laughs> we're, gonna, we're gonna see some pushback, I think. And I, this, this isn't the chapter that I'm covering, so I'll talk about it then. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah. it's it's definitely more of a non-binary story than it is a binary story. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, at the minimum. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, we should probably continue on, right? I'd say so. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, chapter 4, which I called Untitled Goose Game 2, <laughs> has Tobias head back to where he saw the hole in the sky the following day, because, you know, everybody else is in school, he's got time to kill. Oh, wait, no, no, no this is Sunday, right, it's not that, mm-hmm. I think, yeah. Uh, Just like case, to say, third sentence of the chapter, thermal sting. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, because yeah, you're not covering this one, I am. Uh, yeah, he thinks about how he eats regular kid food given to him by Jake instead of falling back in his analytic, analytic instinct to hunt, just because he's, like, musing about stuff, because he has time. 
Oh, uh, sorry. Before you get to... He, he does thermals twice before oh, he God talks about food, so ding again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah. In any case, he says that he does miss school, even though he got bullied there. Uh, but that he also doesn't miss his home, since his extended family sucks. Big mood. <laughs> uh, he and Jake left a note for his uncle claiming that he's gone back to live with his aunt, despite... Apparently, you would think that that'd be something they would have covered in advance of like, all right, this is the day I head back, rather than just being like, yeah, I'm out later. <laughs> not getting my shit. Uh, and he knows that the lie won't last forever because it's only a matter of time before they maybe actually talk to each other. Uh, but he also fully expects them not even bother reporting him as missing because they just don't give a fuck. Jeez. Sounds like Tobias. Sounds like Tobias has real great people as his aunt and uncle. Yeah, it, that that's fucking heartbreaking that they were able to take care of that problem so easily. Yeah, and like, and especially especially also with like just how like nonchalant and a bit cavalier about it Tobias is, just in the description of like, yeah, it doesn't really fucking matter. They suck, kind of yeah, deal. Like, well, mm-hmm. yeah, he's been used to this for a while, I guess. Where it's just like the fuck him. The sad thing, the really really sad thing is that. Having worked with kids this age, I have seen yeah. this happen before. Yeah, like my my um, my, my old roommate Sam would uh, also work with like kids from like dealing with like not great families at times at her job, yeah. and it's like yeah, like there's a lot of shit that you hear that's like ugh, that's depressing. Yay! Yay! <laughs> Depression. Uh, but moving on, uh, he basically just decides to go hang out at Rachel's house for a bit since he has a few hours to kill before at the time when that hole appeared in the sky last time. But then at that moment, he conveniently sees the ripple pass through the air, and it just absolutely demolishes a flock of geese who ragdoll off the surface of what Tobias mm-hmm. realizes ends up being a yerk ship using a cloaking device. <laughs> it's a really short chapter. That's like a page and yeah. like a few sentences. It's it's real brief. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and like it's really two thermal it's, things. Yeah, it's, it's mostly yep. just a bunch of internal monologue of him being like, "Yeah, this is what my life was like before bird." Anyway, uh, these geese are dead. <laughs> them, but I'm different. I'm I'm a smart bird. So I know not to run into an invisible spaceship. Honestly, I think the geese can be forgiven for this one. Like, <laughs> meanwhile, Tobias like, "Lol, sucks to suck, but that ain't me." <laughs> I got a boy brain in my head compared to you birds. <laughs> Also, he basically says that geese geese are not agile, so it was impossible for the others to turn. Yeah, I guess I guess geese really aren't as agile as like predatory birds. Yeah, they're more just like they're like larger birds, so they probably can't really swerve out of the way fast enough. Well, sure, geese are endurance flyers. They're built to cover continents, so yeah. I I covered a little bit of ornithology when I was taking natural history of the vertebrates and. All this stuff, like the bird facts, they say are pretty are pretty you know accurate. Except um, for Tobias being able to see at night. <laughs> except for Tobias being able to see at night, but they retcon that later. So, um, uh, like turkey turkey vultures, like turkey vultures, they're not buzzards, by the way. Uh, buzzards so are a different why. thing. <laughs> buzzards don't exist in like real true buzzards don't exist in in the new world. Turkey oh. vultures do. We call them buzzards. Hmm. Well, uh, that's a good thing then, because fun fact, uh, Applegate later said that she should have made Tobias a buzzard because the objective was to use a very common bird that everyone would see while they were traveling down the highway and think it was Tobias. And she decided later that buzzards were more common than red-hilled hawks, so it would have been really inconvenient if she had made him that. (laughs) I see hawks hovering above hunting at times that's driving down the highway all the time. Last week, I saw... 
like ten turkey vultures. Mm-hmm. They were they're they were everywhere. They are either tur- turkey vultures or black vultures. I don't know which, but because um, it's hard to tell unless you can see them up close and see what color their heads are. <laughs> but uh, yeah, there was just a bunch of them. I don't know what was up. Uh, it, it was a uh, it was a com- it was a meeting of some Andalites that are secretly on Earth. <laughs> Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Or they like, were just after sure the like their migration patterns, or they were just after all the all, all the roadkill I saw. I saw <laughs> a lot of that too. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. In any case, uh, moving on to chapter five, which mm-hmm. I called "Marco gets voted off the island," just so we have another reference to Survivor in this episode. Uh, <laughs> it has the group convene at Cassie's family's barn since her dad is out for the afternoon, and Tobias wouldn't be out of place here because there's tons of animals. And he happens to notice a pair of wolves who are recuperating there after one was shot and one ate poison left out by a farmer. Because basically he has to drop the like red Legend of Zelda, this is important text for us to know. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. And while Rachel brings up that they've been able to see your keep, uh, uh, your keeps? <laughs> York ships beforehand, uh, Jake mentions that those cases were always near the ground, so their hypothesis at the moment is that the cloaking devices don't work while landing, which seems like a massive oversight for an invasion force if you can't keep your ships. Invisible a lot of the time. <laughs> well, I mean, maybe, and this is I, just I mean, a it, suggestion it, here, but maybe mm-hmm. it's not that they don't work when they're close to the ground. Maybe it's that they turn them off so they don't land on top of each other. <laughs> yeah, maybe, yeah. <laughs> I think that they would have, like, some device, like, some system in place to be able to, like, inform others of, like, this is where a ship is. Don't land here in this proximity. Well, it's that would defeat the point of cloaking, though, because if you have that signal, then other people can crack that signal and see where your ship is. Yeah, but humanity can't. Presumably, <laughs> <laughs> anybody who might be able to has already been yurked. <laughs> I, uh, I, I, I don't think that's quite the case, but... Uh, I mean, it, it, it lets the ship be invisible when people would be able to more easily see them, which is in the sky, so it makes sense, at least in that regard. They, they wouldn't have developed the cloaking technology to fool humanity. They would have done it for the Andalites. This because, is also true, yeah. Because they're, like, again, this is a little bit of a spoiler, but we did mention it earlier. They're new at this whole infiltration <laughs> thing. Yeah, this, this whole isn't dealing something with the thing. Before, yeah. so. Relatively new, anyway. And, they, and, <laughs> yeah, and from what we've seen in Vista 3, they absolutely suck at it because they did no research ahead of time. Well, also, Vista 3 is, like, the fucking worst person you could select to lead this kind of mission. He's yeah. not. Like, Vista 3 really... is the fucking Dr. Zoidberg of the Yurks, where he's like, alright, now, like, where's your dorsal fin? <laughs> yeah, I'm asking a human. <laughs> and it's like, we don't have those. Vista 3, if you... And then, meanwhile, there's, like, another Yurk being like, God, if he had just read the fucking report we gave him, he would know that they don't have dorsal fins. Fucking God. I, mean, I get it. We, we, we... It's hard to learn every single thing that a planet does. There's a lot of things. Yeah, but he doesn't even know what cats are. And it's like, that's one of two most popular pets. You would think that... Like... You would think that Yurks, at some point, hanging on the pool, would be like, ah, oh, yeah, the fuck it. My fucking host kid's fucking pet attacked me because there's shit. And God, that sucks. It's like, you would think so he would did, hear did, did, something. Just like, did we put enough pictures in the reports we gave him? Is that the problem? Do we need to put more pictures in it? it, it oh, God, is, is Vesser 3, like, our fucking former president where he needed uh, picture books in order to no, learn v- anything rather than words? Vesser 3 is, is definitely the Yerk version of Donald Trump. Like, yeah. 100%. Yeah, it doesn't read Every time, doesn't every read, time I... Doesn't I, read the reports, just tosses them in the trash, and then some poor assistant Yerk has to be like, God fucking damn it, we need to put this in the fucking archive because we need 
to prove. Yeah. We need to prove that we wrote it out for him and he chose not to read it. This way, when he tries to scream at us and tries to murder us, we have proof that he's being an asshole. God damn it. I guess I just, like, obviously Visser 3 isn't the best military commander out there, but I feel like we're being unkind. Again, there is a lot of stuff on a planet, and I totally get why you would skip over learning what the domestic animals are if you're trying to take over the people. Right, but, but knowing can, what the FBI is, yeah. <laughs> also, potentially one of your, your greatest, like, if they find out about you, the FBI is, like, your number one target slash enemy. Also, yeah. Now, excuse me, Aliens he's... fall under the Air Force, not the FBI. <laughs> but also, he's the only member of the Yerks who can morph. You would think he would take it, pay attention to animals that might be useful at infiltration, like you know, <laughs> a house cat that people wouldn't notice walking around anywhere, really. Yeah, but he doesn't I, I... do infiltration, is the thing. Yeah, I, but I think, no, see, by... so the thing is, a- aliens, aliens are the Air Force when they're in the air or in space. But if they're like for the FBI, I, I, I feel like when when they start like actually infiltrating humans on the ground and start taking control of their brains, now that's that that's some kind of intelligence agency, and since it's an, it's an internal threat, I would say FBI or CIA, either one. But you probably <laughs> want to know what both are. You know what I mean? Knowing the, the entire military and yeah. like law enforcement command structure of the United of the country that you're invading. <laughs> Uh, like is, is like probably even, like number one. Like even if they had managed to like yerk like a bodyguard of the president or something like that, and then be like, okay, learn what you can about this shit and tell us stuff because we our fucking stupid ass boss doesn't do the research himself. So mm-hmm. you, it's on you to figure it out and tell us, all right? Because our boss ain't paying attention. Like also, do that. I do want to say like I don't think this is ever actually covered in the books, but. Uh... Alora and Cemetery Korask can morph. Visser 3 cannot. So if he morphed into a cat, he would just be crushed I... by the tiny skull. <laughs> I I thought Fair. I thought Oh that... right, yeah, yeah, because he mentioned that yeah, cats are too small, right? Uh-huh. I, I thought that the the uh Well, I don't want to say what I thought because that would <laughs> reveal too much about how morphing technology works. I would think he would be able to. Um, I'm fairly sure he can't, but I guess we'll find out eventually. <laughs> yeah, I thought I read somewhere that the, like the the same stuff that happens to all of the other mass, like the human brain when you morph, is also happens to the yerk. But uh, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe I just don't see how it would maintain control in that case because it's a real biochemical control. Well, how, so how if you're can, shunting well, how, the yerk out, then. <laughs> Well, how can the human brain retain control of the, the the animal body, you know? Like, if the human brain is in control of the animal body and the yerk is in control of the human brain, it doesn't really matter where the yerk is. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, like, like, all I'm saying is yerks are not very intelligently designed because cerebral slugs are uh, able to uh, control things as small as a pug. But <laughs> turns out yerks can't. <laughs> Yeah. So, well, so therefore, the Yurks are not doing as great at uh, infiltration as this other alien brain-like species. <laughs> I don't know. Well, it's it's a different thing entirely. So. Yeah, I don't. I don't think. Uh, I don't think uh, Brendan Nur's mom took in consideration if uh, the brain's like also shrinks down to be able to actually take over the brain of a small animal. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Probably just being like fucking hand waving away at the fucking do- dumbass science setting. Anyway, oh. it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah. yeah. Either way, we will 
theoretically find out whether Visser 3 the Yurk can morph at some time in the next few years. <laughs> oh yeah, just 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 hang out. Like four years from now, maybe we'll have an answer. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, in any case, uh, continuing on. Tobias insists that it has to be a Yurk ship, just because he knows. And weirdly, Cassie has somehow reassured despite everything they've seen so far, dictating that they would have to assume any bullshit would be entirely on the Yurks by now, after what they've seen. Well, I don't Fair know. Enough. You've met two different alien species, not counting the pork Bajir and Texans. Like, maybe it's a third alien species. Who knows? I guess, but, like, I feel like in this situation, if I was one of these kids and, like, one of my friends was like, yo, I think I saw an alien ship of these assholes, I'd be like, yeah, probably. Most likely. Good, <laughs> good odds it's already on them because we know they're actively invading Earth compared to we don't know how far the Endolites are out from getting here. Yeah, that would be my assumption, but maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> uh, in any case, Tobias insists that he wants to go to the Vandans to find it since it was headed that way. Or technically it was like flying like a little bit high up the previous time, and it's like lower this time, so he thinks that they're doing something in the mountains. And Cassie kind of halfway says that they've already done enough, even though what they've done so far is fuck up. <laughs> Nothing else really. But to be fair, that is a valid concern. They've they've tried two things and fucked it up so far, so it's like, yeah, maybe we're a bit over our heads. But she basically mm-hmm. does does insist that she cannot do nothing while help, while uh, yeah, yeah, rephrase that. She does insist that she cannot do nothing to help those enslaved by the brain slugs. And then Marco then sounds a lot like he's the sort of guy who's pissed off that people are getting their college debt cleared because he had to pay his own off. Because he essentially just says, well, I don't know these fucking people, and they ain't my friends, nor my families, and also, I guess, fuck Tom, because we tried one thing for Tom, and then not since. <laughs> we, we did it. We did it. We tried it. We tried a thing. We tried, we tried one, a thing. We That's tr- enough. We, we, we tried one thing, and we're all out of options. Sorry. <laughs> Too bad. You gotta deal with it, I guess, Jake. Just accept that your brother's brain's like now. Uh, so then Rachel basically just fully gets fed up with him, because they've had to convince Marco to do anything so far every time. So she just tries to boot him out of the group fully, <laughs> and he, <laughs> he stupidly but also kind of rightfully retorts that Rachel just lives for the thrill of the danger, which is not incorrect. <laughs> uh, Tobias basically just tries to end the argument by saying he's going to madness tomorrow regardless of what the others do, but in the end they all agree to go after school tomorrow to check it out so that the timing doesn't actually just match with them being absent from school if they cause shit while it's gone, because Chapman might I, find I, it. I do like how marco decides to go along with them because it's a great just representation of marco's character he doesn't want to he definitely doesn't want to yeah Uh, he doesn't want to do any of this shit but if everyone else is going he's not gonna let them go without him yeah like being like god i guess if you fucking have to i'm gonna make sure you don't fuck it up more i guess (laughs) what he's not gonna do is abandon his friends basically um and I, I admire that about Marco. I admire a lot of things about Marco. He's an asshole. But yeah, like, I, 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 there's a lot to admire about him too. I think I think it will still definitely be like once we get to the Marco book, that my opinion on him will flip because like he he definitely does. It definitely is getting a little bit old already that he's just like the guy who's like, oh, let's 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 fucking ignore the alien invasion. <laughs> let's just yeah. focus on keeping no, ourselves it, and our immediate family safe. Fuck everyone else, I guess. <laughs> That's not really like that. That is that is kind know, of what know, we're that, getting that, from him. Yeah, that, that's Marco how has... that's, that's how he projects. But it's like, yeah, like I said, I'm sure that once we get to a book narrated by him, it's going to be different. Marco gets over the course of these books, even like after you see the books that are narrated by him. Mm-hmm. Marco gets a lot of character development, like probably the most, in my opinion, out of any of these characters. Mm-hmm. So, um, 
we'll see that happen probably like half halfway through the series is where it, it reaches <laughs> oh okay peak, so, so not even in like two yeah. books time when because like i think you said that he narrates every fifth book right no it's a slow I... burn it's oh, a okay. it's a slow burn with some with some definite like bangs and flashes but it's uh it, it happens slowly gotcha just say Marco's first book, which is number five. I think that's where he stops this whole "I don't want to do this" thing. Like he'll still be reluctant, but I'm pretty sure that's the one where he gets the motivation to like actually do this and not try to quit every week. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Mar- Marco gets into the office and somebody sends him an email, and he immediately's just like, "Fuck this! I'm tired of getting everybody asking me shit." <laughs> Like Marco, I, you, have, you have a managerial position. You have to answer the emails now. I'm excited to get to the Marco books because I feel like getting an inside perspective from Marco does definitely change how you think yeah, about him. Yeah, I mean, um, I would envision that's for most people, you would think. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Uh, Marco, quite a bit, because there's a lot of contrast there. But Yeah. Um, I mean, we see enough of it because it's like, even though he's so many times been trying to just make them stop, he does eventually be like, all right, yeah. if you all are going to do it anyway, I can't in good <laughs> conscience let you go without me, then I guess, just to make you have more strength yeah. in numbers. Yeah, we should we should keep going. Yeah, yeah. Uh, chapter 6 ain't too long either. Uh, this one I called War of the Wolves, because wolves uh half the group head out to the forest on foot instead of flying in order to avoid looking suspicious with variety very very different birds traveling together again one of the few times so far these kids have actually thought about something being like yeah i think it would be weird if people saw like an eagle a hawk and some other birds hanging out together (laughs) you know uh (laughs) but i still retort grab a flock bird at the barn so it's not suspicious kids (laughs) There's probably some bird there that you could grab that's like, yeah, people wouldn't think that it's weird if multiple birds were hanging out together like this because it's a flock, but whatever, they don't think about that. Uh, but they grabbed the morphs of the pair of wolves mentioned in the previous chapter to make things go faster so they don't have to walk on foot. And they apparently took into consideration that one of the boys has to be a female wolf in order to avoid having two male wolves possibly fight for dominance. Yeah, and of course, and the, the thing is, is that that's not true as the thing. <laughs> oh, yeah, it, okay. is, it, it is. It is bullshit. Um, However, like... But we didn't know that in the 90s, so it's fine. Okay, yeah, see, again, I I thought that this was a thing, that because it's like, I know that, like, obviously packs of wolves have, like, you know, not just one male wolf, but I knew that there was an alpha, right? Nope, that's not it's, a thing. Basic, ba- oh, no, okay. nope. The, the leaders I'm... of a wolf, th- th- that was based on a study that was done of wolves in captivity who were strangers. Oh. In the wild, the leaders of the wolf pack are just the parents of the other wolves. Mm-hmm. Oh, gotcha, okay. So. Yeah, it's 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 just a family dynamic, basically. All right. Well, again, uh, turns out I learned something today. Even if you kids <laughs> did not. <laughs> uh, yeah. But yeah. Uh, I I I do, do want to say in their defense, they're getting their animal information from Cassie, who knows yeah, a lot about yeah. animals, but like, knows a lot yeah. about animals in the way a twelve-year-old knows a lot about animals. Yeah. yeah. But again, like also, so, this, I don't this think was we also knew that that was fake back in the nineties. So yeah, to like the every, best of every, her ability, this is current information. Yeah. Everybody yeah. thought Alpha Wolf was a thing back then. So it's like they're going based on what they knew at the time. Yeah. It's just that their information was wrong. So, of course, Marco's the one who lost a coin flip and he's annoyed that he has to be a girl wolf. <laughs> These kids could have helped the field of biology and animal behaviorists so much. <laughs> yeah. They're a bit too busy fighting a gorilla war to do that. <laughs> 
Also, I don't think... I, I'm pretty sure if they went up to the government officials being like, yo, hey, not only alien invasion, but also we can turn into animals, we can learn more about animals that people can't normally, because we could do that and transform back. Pretty sure they would immediately be sent to, like, Area 51 or something like that and dissected for study. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> I, that doesn't exist know. in this series. <laughs> there, there's, a, there's a famous paper or, or essay... Uh, by a philosopher named Thomas Nagel called What Is It Like to Be a Bat, in which he considers the impossibility of truly understanding the perspective of a being that is different enough from humanity that will never really, like, grasp it. Mm -hmm. Like, what would echolocation be like? There's no way for humans to know. But these, these kids can just, like, fuck, they should find out. <laughs> <laughs> and and an, an entire field of, of, of like entire field of philosophy and they can just kind of they be can like, become oh, nope, they, they can, I can just they, answer the questions. they can all become like the world's premier animal experts and they just never consider mm -hmm. it <laughs> steve Irwin it, before it, his time <laughs> it, it has it has like it has like deeper implications about uh, objectivity and and phenomenology but um mm -hmm. still yeah. you know this is yeah this is also much less intelligent or relevant but area 51 doesn't exist in the animorphs that's just not a thing okay fair <laughs> they have a uh, different place called zone 91 <laughs> <laughs> that does sound like the hedgehog level you're not fooling me <laughs> <laughs> it's like in zone 91 <laughs> uh but yeah in any case the girls poke fun at marco because basically he and jake already fight for dominance enough as is and how he and his gorilla morph ain't so different and then they more or less just kind of secretly high five each other. Like I imagine Cassie and Rachel suddenly saying "Got him!" Let <laughs> me do that. Uh, kind of rude, but still. Uh, they have Cassie more first, and then they had not great experiences as Jake as the lizard and Rachel as a shrew. So I guess they're like, "Well, Cassie knows animals more, so maybe she should try this first. Uh, and she smartly does at least, uh, you know, go down to just her morphing leotard so that her other clothes don't get ruined or tangled up in her. And we get uh, the off-repeated scenario of uh, describing what it's like to watch a kid become an animal, because, you know, kind of filled pages, or at least chapter <laughs> sentences in this book. Uh, Cassie initially grabs them well, a little bit. Oh, sorry. Well, also, also it, it's it's to show us that while other uh, the other Animorphs, it's more body horror, uh, Cassie's, like, good at morphing. Oh, yeah, they, yeah, they keep but... reiterating that, but they still say it's still yeah. weird. Like... She might be the best at it, but it's like it's still a weird no, it, experience to watch. It's still weird, but she can make it like also aesthetic. You know, she can. Uh, there's some artistry. Yeah, to, Ca Ca to Cassie remorse. has proficiency in performance. So. To a limited yeah. degree, yeah. But like for this transformation specifically, her face bulges out into the shape of a wolf snout before it stops mm -hmm. being a human face, which is horrifying. Yeah, <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I feel. I feel like. <laughs> yeah in any case uh she initially grabs at them a bit uh once she's fully transformed but quickly gains control over her wolf brain and then she's stoked about how perceptive wolves are and then just fully outs racial for cheating on her new vegetarian lifestyle by saying she had bacon for breakfast <laughs> uh <laughs> and but before they all start transforming they all look at Tobias as like a reminder of what happens if you morph too long because we also have to reiterate that <laughs> 
Yep. But that's it. Um, yeah, I love to be a grim reminder for all my friends. Love it when yeah. they look at me at an ominous fear. <laughs> yeah, it's like really looking at like, oh, this like fucking crow is hanging around me because it thinks I'm dying, or I guess it's like, <laughs> more of like crows and vultures, and it's like, go away, I'm not dead yet, fuck off. <laughs> it's like, well, you might be soon though. <laughs> I'm just hanging out, I'm waiting for food. <laughs> Alright, so then we move into chapter 7, which I've titled... Uh, hold on, I gotta find my notes. Uh, I've titled <laughs> "Ranger Danger." Um, so the kids continue. So the kids uh, basically they morph wolf and they start running through the forest. Um, presumably, they 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 walked a good distance and then they morphed wolf once they got to the forest, which Cassie's uh, ranch just kind of like abuts, I guess. Um. So they, they go into the forest, they morph wolf, and they start running. Uh, and it's like a constant sort of pace. They're able to move through the forest pretty quickly. Um, and Tobias has a hard time keeping up, not because they're so fast, but because they're so constant. Uh, which I don't think wolves are actually capable of, but whatever. Um, Tobias, like the first thing we get from Tobias is that he's jealous. Uh, because, you know like they the, the kids can morph he can't um and they're uh they're moving um they would be going faster if Jake didn't keep stopping to pee he can't seem to stop himself from said marking the area they're moving through which which Cassie calls out and like says this is this is instinctual behavior um which I guess wolf instincts are very strong because <laughs> in other cases, the kids seem to be able to, like with other mammals, it seems like the kids seem to be able to control things a little bit better than they are here. Jake kind of has a history of at times, even after he thinks he has control, not actually having full control. Like when like, he's yeah. like, oh, the dog just wanted to be just happy and not think about things because it's a dog. And then like yeah. the lizard being like him being like, no, don't eat this bug. Well, the lizard I mean, is like, like what about you, the lizard though? Yeah, that's true. He, yeah. He had control of it for like all of like maybe like five minutes yeah. out of that entire time. <laughs> Rachel does that too as the cat. Um, the yeah. Tobias like, just... As the dog, that was like his temptation to give in to just being happy and goofy and a dog. That wasn't the dog overtaking him. That was him saying, I uh, don't want Yeah, I, I guess. So that was after he like had confirmation <laughs> that his brother had been brain slugged and he was like, I, What if I just embrace dog? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, well, at, at a certain point, Jake just kind of stops and starts howling because he, quote, thought it would be a good idea. <laughs> um, Jake, no, you're and... going to start a howl. <laughs> The rest of them join in without thinking about it. Uh, yeah, like Zootopia. And meanwhile, meanwhile, Cassie's talking about like, oh, this is just instinctual behavior of wolves. You know, that's it's, this is what they do in order to to like communicate to other wolf packs that are really far away that this is their territory. And meanwhile, she's just like, she's just howling as well. Um, <laughs> and we get some ridiculous. You, like, you can howl and thought speak at the same time without being interrupted. So I'm curious, like. If you were really good at multitasking, could you acquire a human and then speak and thought speak something different simultaneously? <laughs> it's weird because I'm pretty sure later when we get Andalites acquiring humans, they lose their ability to thought speak. <laughs> I think that is true, yes. <laughs> which is which is weird. 
like why that would happen. Maybe it has to do with the like the language morphing. center of the brain or something. I don't know. <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, we get some like ridiculous automatopoeia here, which is just <laughs> just like they love to do this. In, yeah. in these books, where we get like ow, yow, yow, for like an entire line, uh-huh. and it's like, I, do we really need that? Do we really need yes that? <laughs> Look, the the reader might not know what wolves sound like. <laughs> yeah, uh, I feel like in some cases it does like draw you into the narrative. Here, it's just kind of weird. Yep. Uh, so after that ends tobias flies up to get a better lay of the land uh meanwhile considers the fact that he doesn't get to experience the wolf body or even a human body but he fights those thoughts back uh you know sort of like disconnect disconnects with them um <laughs> he does catch a thermal to fly off so ding like, like repress <laughs> yet yeah. yeah he scratches the thermal to fly off so ding um i think there are two thermal two mentions of thermals in this chapter um so he he fights that thought back down. Women say he represses it uh, in order to you know avoid feeling sorry for himself. And I'm like, you know what, Tobias, you fucking have a right right now to feel <laughs> sorry for yourself. Like, yeah, feel sorry for yourself a little bit. Yeah, for for just a bit, you know, and then you can get back on the ball. But like something terrible has happened to you, so it's okay to feel bad about that yeah, like stop, stop repressing thoughts Tobias it's not healthy yeah um his thoughts are interrupted when he sees a bunch of park service vehicles driving in a very unpark service like way <laughs> men jump out and they're carrying very unpark service like automatic weapons and moving like soldiers in formation you also get helicopters that circle the lake um marked with park service markings but not like not moving like them uh also very very different from the park service uh these helicopters carry hork bajir in them so <laughs> that might be a tip-off no nah, that's all in the oven normal up. forest that's, rangers that's just what shock troopers look like that's fine <laughs> yeah uh also they don't usually have shock troopers like working for the department of interior they do now so... they're trying out a new initiative Ah. Don't, yep. Th- these shock troopers are in giant spiky uh, carapace-looking uh, armor. Don't worry about it. They're totally just you, normal guys, not giant alien bug people. You absolutely better not fucking litter in America's national parks <laughs> anymore. Yeah. <laughs> because if you do... We got them fucking serious about it. We're tired of asking. Now we're demanding, guys. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the men put the nearest campers by the way in a van and then just drive them away at speed i like i i kind of i i, I kind of would hope that they would just let them go a little ways away but somehow oh, they, i think they, maybe not they absolutely shot those guys <laughs> shot them or, or infested them yeah, either they're, way they're gonna get yoked. Uh, yeah so uh that sort of leads us to the end because we get like ah oh, there's hork in the in, in the uh helicopters and then we move to chapter eight which i've called tobias can't count wolves <laughs> um so he gives us a bit of exposition on what hork are and do but we've already heard it so i'm not going to go over it um tobias also gets one look at the con- gets a look at the controller's watches and it shows the kids have already been in wolf more for an hour so we're we're sort of going into the danger zone here 
if they got delayed by anything, I imagine it would be it would it would put them in danger of of getting um getting trapped. Uh, so he starts trying to look for his friends, the other animorphs, and tell them there are Horpajir here. Um, he finds a wolf pack that he thinks are them, but when he like perches above them, they respond aggressively, which isn't what he would, and then what they would do, and then he counts uh five wolves, not four at this point, which means that this is not his friend, just a regular wolf pack that is looking at him um hungrily. So uh they, you know, want to eat him. So he just manages to escape their jaws. Uh, it's sort of a tense scene. And then eventually, ten minutes later, finds the actual wolves he's looking for. Uh, for some reason, he does not tell them about the other aggressive pack of wolves <laughs> in the area, which maybe would be important information for them to know. But he does tell them that about the Yerks near the lake and all the guns and stuff that they have. Uh, so he... Uh, he also marks this place as aligning with the invisible ship's path that he saw before, so this is definitely the the de- probably the destination of that ship. Um, the kids are running short on time, but the lake is only five minutes away, so they resolve to be in and out fast, which, um, yeah, that's going to happen. Yeah, that's uh, always been their out. plan, and when's that ever worked for them? <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a plan never survives contact with an enemy. Um <laughs> So the, they, they resolve to be in and out fast. They head out and slink around the edge of the forest, like actual wolves would do, um, because wolves are, are going are gonna to sort of probably be curious about humans but not get too close to them. So the park rangers spot them, but they don't move to engage, um, which is really not the shape of what we're going to see from the Yorks later. <laughs> but... Yeah, you uh, they're going to get super you, paranoid. You would, you would think that if, knowing so far that they've had uh, two instances where they've had somebody transformed as an animal trying to sneak into some place, mm-hmm. that if they ever were ha- out like doing something in the field and they saw an animal nearby, they would just immediately try to murder it just to be safe at this point, right? Well, uh, I don't think so, no, because they're out in the middle of the woods. Like, there's a yeah. lot of animals in the woods. <laughs> Exactly. You're, you're expecting the best cover animals. for a person transformed as an animal to think that they wouldn't get yeah. shot at, so they should just be murdering everything. Um, just to be safe. At this point, Tobias looks up and sees that like invisible shape, the ripple, uh, moving overhead, but then it stops being invisible, and we move into chapter 9, which Not I have before titled... before he tries to go up, but there are no thermals. Dig. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah. You're right. I need to keep better track of the thermals in my chapters. I'm sorry. We're at 8 so um... far. <laughs> yeah, bye. Uh, in chapter 9, which I've called... Uh, then, we begin... sorry, then we begin chapter 9, which I've called, Wherein the impracticality of your technology is made apparent, and Tobias has a crisis of identity. <laughs> um... <laughs> The ship itself is about the size of an ocean liner. Uh, so big. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly big for something that is in the sky. Yeah, this, I feel this, like... This really is just a fucking Skies of Arcadia ship, actually. Yeah. <laughs> like, if you've seen um, stuff from, like, the Valiant Empire in that game, they are just full-on fucking warships just flying around. <laughs> yeah. Uh, for something that, that can fly, that's certainly gigantic. Yeah. I could imagine it being bigger, but there's no way you couldn't call that huge. Um... <laughs> It's shaped like a manta ray, but with like a bulge in the middle and two scoops like giant ramjets on its wings. The only windows are a small bulge on top, which has to be the bridge, and Tobias can see taxons inside of it. 
we get some sense of scale as Tobias tries to describe how big this thing is and also describes bug fighters that move into view, which are about the size of, like, he says the bug fighters couldn't fit in your garage, but they could park on your front lawn. <laughs> so we get kind of like the range of the size bug fighters are, and this thing dwarfs them. Um, the kids stay nonchalant as Tobias sees more taxons and hork inside the bug fighter, and then we get some more exposition about taxons. Um, at this point, we don't know why the taxons became voluntary controllers and i forgot about that mm -hmm. um that we we don't yet know their their motivations oh yeah that which we will we will learn them uh the ship moves to land on the lake and a giant tube comes out of it the ship starts sucking up the water in the lake and they figure out this is essentially a big truck <laughs> it gathers air and water for the mothership above which raises a lot of questions about your technology and why it sucks so much. Yeah, <laughs> like, like when, when they described it as like, it must be catching the air, I was just thinking of that early episode of Futurama when like they're stuck mm -hmm. at the bottom of the ocean and Fry's like, oh right, air, and he just puts open the suitcase, just waves his arms in it, it's like he's pushing air in it, then closes it, as though air <laughs> wouldn't already just be in the suitcase the moment he opened it. <laughs> like the ability to recycle water is something that we have yeah. human human beings uh -huh. on earth yep <laughs> like the yurks have to go and fuck over a lake every couple days just to be able yeah to exactly drink. <laughs> like what the what the fuck are they doing with Imagine all the you're water gonna in run their out of lakes my guys like, <laughs> they just dump it into space you'd also think they'd be able to recycle the carbon dioxide because that's just like that's just chemistry but they don't they have to gather it in a big truck the, and take the, it up to the spaceship the, the in the sky. In, like, the entirety in of the Yurk Empire being like, so did anybody buy science skill chemistry? And there was oh. like, uh, nope. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> to be fair, we don't know the biological necessities of pork or taxons. It's possible that after they excrete water, it just becomes undeniably toxic. <laughs> that doesn't like unless they chemically like just like chemically alter the water to the point where it's not water anymore um i don't see how that could happen now maybe <laughs> when they like maybe when when taxons excrete water it becomes like hydrogen peroxide but you can turn hydrogen peroxide back into water very easily <laughs> so like nothing nothing they could do to it short of nuclear fusion <laughs> It, like couldn't be undone by some other process it's it's yeah. i i don't know obviously we have to ask <laughs> a applicate this well, considering all also... the other people that we know have been spying on our podcast and changing mm -hmm. stuff we need to get k applegate spying on the podcast so that we can get an answer <laughs> to this about just how exactly hork and taxons shouldn't piss to know if they can actually cycle it or not <laughs> i get we don't even actually know if taxons do that their whole thing is hunger constant maybe they just keep growing and absorb everything they're just, the, they're just more intelligent case, than the taxons would, <laughs> if that was the case then taxons would be huge and they're not <laughs> we're, we're, our biology is so efficient we never shit or piss <laughs> i i don't know it's like it given how much taxons eat you would think that would make them giant but they're not giant <laughs> So but they are pretty I, big. 
They're pretty big. They're like 12 feet long, but not... That's still like, pretty... Like, if you were a person and you saw a giant monster centipede, you'd be like, yeah, that's a pretty big fucking centipede monster. <laughs> yeah, but not... Not I retain like, I, all of the matter I consume <laughs> from my ravenous hunger. Like, big. I, I wouldn't you know be there I mean? being like, yeah, this thing is unrealistic. This thing should be bigger. <laughs> I'd be like, oh, fuck, monster centipede. <laughs> if they never shit or pissed, they wouldn't be a lot bigger. Like... I don't know. Um, the other kids, so, uh, yeah, the other kids leave at this point to keep within the time limit because they figure they've seen enough. They know what's happening. Um, Tobias doesn't have to worry about that, so he stays behind a little longer, and he sees the hawk from the beginning of the book there, which is just, like, huge coincidence. Uh, he feels an instinctual pull toward her. The hawk doesn't know what friends or gratitude are. But Tobias still feels a kind of connection to her that the human part of him strains against, and she becomes the most frightening thing in the clearing. And he bucks against the drive to be with that hawk, which he describes as going home, and ref and and um, sort of like his humanity reasserts itself. But part of him keeps saying that you know the t human Tobias is already dead, and the real Tobias is a hawk. So this boy sorely needs some kind of medication, meditation <laughs> practice or, or therapy uh, because he's having some serious, like, inner turmoil here. Oh, yes. Tobias um, is having his first horny thoughts and he does not know how to process it, unfortunately. Well, it's, it's, it's also, like, Tobias is feeling a call to a certain part of his being that exists now, mm -hmm. but is straining against it because there's another part of his being that's very much capable of rational thought and speech and human stuff still um and he he i think he sees these two things as irreconcilable like they um they can't really they can't really both exist in the same space it's, it's called being non-binary tobias <laughs> yeah what he needs to do is find a way in which they can because neither of them are going away one definitely shouldn't go away and the other um definitely won't go away so been there there's there's like a, a balance that he needs to find and that's why i think it's really more of a, a non-binary story <laughs> if it's going to be a trans narrative at all um be not not being non-binary myself it's not really like i'm not really exactly positioned but i'm very <laughs> lucky to, to 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 be in a podcast with with two non-binary people who could there you go so yeah. i mean we, we have <laughs> to be fair like i describe myself as non-binary but i'm not like going in like oh i'm neither x or y because it's like i mean i i like presenting them and all but with, it's like that's, with... it's it's all just a bunch of like yeah it's the label that fits me basically with with um with me, it's like, yes, if I must descend into human society and interact <laughs> with it using their rules and whatnot, then binary gender is fine. And that's all that's really necessary. Yeah, that, that's kind of also but, why I do that, where it's like, well, most people are, are either going to say, think one or the other. There's really no way to, like, yeah. you know, get most people to realize, oh, neither kind of deal. Or yeah, something else. Exactly. From so it's like, well, um, I'd rather be people think I'm a girl rather than a guy. <laughs> yeah. Well, for 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 Tobias, it's definitely it's definitely not 
not enough to just kind of like focus on one over the other because there are realities to his existence that demand both to be true oh yeah um and he's just gonna have to like come to terms with that at some point uh with that he flees this sort of lady hawk uh and (laughs) dives to the ground to gain speed uh to, to get out of there and he sees the kids below in some kind of danger and we don't get told what kind of danger it is and b- because of cliffhanger reasons you, you uh, know it's a lady hawk because she has the eyelashes and like a part yes. of her like a uh, bird chest yeah. that poofs out a little bit <laughs> yeah exactly for like for like bird for not boobs but they're like bird boobs yeah <laughs> And that's the end of that's the end of um, chapter nine. So that's yeah, all of our chapters. All, all yeah. birds have breasts, technically. <laughs> uh, yeah, I thought I thought this one was um, I thought this one was uh, was you know a good start to our first Tobias book. Um, sure. It's a little bit weird because we're gonna get absolutely no morphing from the main character in this one. Um, oh, that's a the bummer. next time. <laughs> The next time Tobias shows up, uh, that that'll like spoiler alert, uh, spoiler that that Vivian is already you know aware of, um, that'll change. But for now, yeah, a book with no morphing for the main character. That's gonna be interesting. <laughs> yeah, I guess I didn't think about it like that perspective where it's like, yeah, it's not like he's gonna ever really like at least at the moment, not going to have any descriptor of, like, what it's like to go from X to Y species, more or less, because he's just a yep. bird. But at the same yep. time, we are getting that little bit of experience of him being like, you know, hey, I've been a bird for a while now. I- I'm, we, I'm we still have... a guy, right? And it's like, we... <laughs> where's the yeah, boy begin and the bird end, or vice versa? <laughs> we have to get some first-hand experience from him being trapped. Yeah. You know, we, we have to see that happen. Yeah. Um, and you know only then that 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 shows the gravity of the situation i mean as for animals to be trapped as hawk not a terrible yeah, one yeah it's one yeah. of it, it is what it's one of the better ones like obviously you can fly so pretty cool it'd suck yeah. if you were stuck as like an ant or something and it's like oh boy <laughs> you, oh my god you have we'll, we'll talk we'll get to that later you have no idea how much it would suck to be stuck as an ant <laughs> uh, we talked we talked about the use sociology or uh, i always get the term the fucking like acting as one part of like the greater whole that like that, there is have. So nah, it's like, that sounds like it. a nightmare there is an it's existentially terrifying not yeah, just <laughs> i'd imagine <laughs> The constant yeah. animal instinct um, to be like you don't matter you're just you're just expendable you're part of the many yeah it's it's um yeah queen. it's uh it's pretty bad um <laughs> uh, but yeah so uh so far the animorphs have found a big truck it's true they did do that. Is what has happened it's a, it's a space truck it's not just a it's truck. a space truck but it's still a big truck and it also shows that marco points out marco notices this because of course it's marco that would notice this that this shows the yurks have a weakness that they need water and air from the planet in order to keep their operations in orbit running um <laughs> it is interesting and impressive the kids could put that together just from what was happening um or at yeah. least that the ramjets were like for collecting air i don't know if they actually know that uh, they, they kind of make that extrapolation just based on the fact that there's hoses so it's like they're collecting water so maybe they're also collecting air yeah like to be fair we don't know for a fact that they're collecting air that that's just kind of an assumption the kids make so yeah. maybe they only need the water 
Um, it would be... I mean, either one is stupid. So. <laughs> but at the same time, the Yurks can survive on the planet Earth, so it's like, okay, well, I guess they do at least breathe oxygen, right? Uh, yeah, I, I guess so. Yeah. Also, this is, a, this is a little bit of a spoiler, but other beings can breathe on the Yurk home world. I mean, yeah, um, we see Horkbajir and Taxons and Andalites, obviously. Yeah, like on, on the Yurk home world, which we'll see at some point. Yeah. Um, other other being other species can breathe so all these species can breathe oxygen it's fine mm-hmm. um what the, the 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 big question i had was more about like why they can't just recycle these materials <laughs> uh, i i have i have to imagine maybe the the yurks are a lot like the urkins from invader zim and that they're just like the terminally wasteful uh and like they burn with, the entire no... planet down before they realize, yeah. wait, shit, we probably should have, like, saved yeah. some of these resources. Oh, fuck. Yeah, they, they <laughs> Guys, would definitely... off-planet? <laughs> like, they're not, they're not, like, consumerist in the same way the Urkins are. Uh, <laughs> or humans. Probably. That we know of. Maybe they are. Who knows? Well, I guess, like, I don't know. I just... Uh, yeah, so the thing that I'm thinking of is that when they talk to Ilfungor in the first book, he specifically says that the Yurks don't actually have any scientists or invent anything. They only mm. steal their technology from everybody else. So maybe they just yeah. haven't stolen anything that has an air converter yet. <laughs> well, they could steal that from humans, because humans have that. It's really weird that they haven't stolen that from another species that's in space. Unlike humans. <laughs> like, I don't, like they I don't keep, know how, they, how humans recycle air in space. At some point, they have to have a big like announcement and be like, Alright guys, seriously, we don't know how to make a fucking chemistry set. The next time y'all find a chemistry set, please don't destroy it like you do everything else. We need to actually secure it and try to figure this shit out for once and then they just keep destroying chemistry sets because they're just like once in destruction yay and I'm like god damn it okay we need to figure um, this shit out uh, we can't just keep doing this okay apparently apparently the international space station gets its oxygen from electrolyzing water so really all the yurks would need is water yeah they wouldn't be able to recycle that water uh but yeah it's uh kind of explains a lot then actually <laughs> yeah but they wouldn't either either they would need water or they would need air they wouldn't need both yeah but again we don't know for a fact that they need air the kids are just assuming that okay that's fair that's fair um all right well i still think it's dumb <laughs> <laughs> listen you uh... yourself have come up with the answer that yurks are just using nasa technology it's fine <laughs> but yeah um that is our book for today uh thanks y'all for for rolling through this and we'll leave off on that cliffhanger for another week um no one killed anything this episode so rachel is still leading the kill count by one point unless you count all those convertibles in which case she's leading by a lot Uh, (laughs) i I don't think we can count just destruction of public property as murder yeah yeah fair um the thermal count in today's chapters was eight. I don't know what it is overall. <laughs> I think Kate said uh, that, right? Well, it's eight so far. I know, <laughs> didn't, didn't you add the count from like the previous book as well? Uh, yeah, what's our total thermal count? Yeah, that's the question. Because yeah, it, it's eight in saying, this book. I don't know what I it was before one, this. I thought one of you was keeping okay. track of that overall. 
Oh, well, I mean, we'll, we'll talk about it next episode if we need to. Yeah, fair enough. We are at an 8 plus question mark right now. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, I don't remember what the count was for the last two books, but sounds good. I'll find out. So I guess then there's not much left for us to say, but until next week, remember, Ciro did nothing wrong. <laughs> don't listen to the haters. Ciro did nothing wrong. I'll admit I almost said uh, those weirdos had to sit together instead of <laughs> there was nothing wrong. <laughs> I was like, nope, that was that was three days ago that we did that instead. Nope, other day. <laughs>